Welcome. Welcome to the Whole Lot of Nothing podcast. Careless whisper into the mic. Welcome to episode four. Episode four. We have made it. No, wait. This is episode five. Episode five. Shit. We're already losing count. Yeah, we're at episode five. Or this is the fifth recorded episode, but we may release this before. We so, have we have one with a special guest that yes. is really philosophical, really deep, and something that I feel like you guys would really, really enjoy. So if that one's not already out, stay tuned for that one. It will be coming up soon. It all depends on what we talk about today and if we want to put this one in front of that well, because of more current events. There are some current events that have happened that we actually heard about today yes. that would influence what we're doing. Doing and when we would put this podcast out and it's just because of the actual timing that we heard this news that we would actually end up putting it out before the one we recorded earlier so what is it that so, has happened within these 24 hours that needs to go on this podcast it is tuesday about 9 p.m of november 20th 2018 uh, about 8 50 p.m and we found out today that takashi 69 is potentially seeing 32 to life, 32 years to life in prison. He gonna get his booty hole stretched. 6'9". 6'9". <laughs> he has the worst name to go to prison with, bro. Anyway, so these are the potential charges that he is possibly being convicted for. And it, it's also a federal case, which makes it 10 times worse for him. The FBI has been looking into all his shit. But yeah, read out what, what, so what does he got? Here's the list. Racketeering conspiracy, 20 years in prison. Carrying a firearm during a crime of violence, which was discharged, life in prison. Violent crime in aid of racketeering, 20 years in prison. Same crime, violent crime in aid of racketeering. A second charge for three years. Carrying a firearm during a crime of violence, which was brandished, life in prison. Violent crime in aid of racketeering, three years in prison. This is from... (laughs) This is from the DOJ. The Dodge? Yes. Okay. The uh, Oh, the Doge. What What is the DOJ? I have no idea. It's Department of Justice. Oh, Department Justice. of Justice. Yeah, Jesus Christ. The Dodge. Yeah, so that's from so that's from Worldstar, but World, Worldstar is quoting the Department of Justice in the United States. What do you think of this? You are the hip-hop guy. You are the one that kind of follows the music scene and who these rappers are and what they represent a lot more than I do. That's that's your thing. Not necessarily 6 9 but that's more your scene than it is mine. So I want to know yeah. your thoughts. Okay, well... For me, I'm not a I'm not a fan of six nine. Uh, it's not even it's not even really the music. Like it's for me, it's just not personally my favorite stuff. But I just don't like the way that he carries himself. I don't like the way that he does his branding. But I, don't get me wrong. I can respect the fact that he's gotten big off of playing the system, getting into people's ear holes, and just doing his thing. I can respect the the success he's gotten. But this is what happens with big, quick success. Your success will go up. You'll get to a point. You'll cap, and then it will drop down just as quickly. Because look how fast he took off, and now look how fast he's dropped down. It's it's if he gets if he gets convicted, ends up going to jail. His entire career is over and is done. But was it worth it for all that fame, just so he could do some fraudulent business deals and stay at the actual like amount of money that he had, stay in the current relevance that he had, all from just doing this illegal business, conducting things that you shouldn't be doing? I don't know, man. If you start getting into illegal shit, especially when you're in a category that he is in of borderline superstardom, 
then that's where things will go wrong. Your career, if it takes off that fast, it can go down just that fast because you weren't trained in the game properly. Some people can make it happen where they've been, they get in the game real fast, they get trained on how to use, how to use the game to their advantage, how to play the game properly. But 6ix9ine, he didn't do the game properly, so he gone. I'm just. I've been reading. So if you if you saw me on my phone, I, I was just briefly reading about. If you could read. I could play cup pong. No, not not the case because this is relative to the pod. All right. I'm so, sorry, Mel. I, Mel, if you're listening, I'm not answering your cup pong to the end of the podcast. So basically, this is not the first charge that has been laid against Six Nine or, or his <laughs> nope. team. Nope. And. For those of you that don't follow this guy or don't know who he is, which it, I hope is all of you, basically in two thousand, he was pled guilty earlier this year to sexual misconduct charges concerning a minor in two thousand fifteen, and one of his quotes is incredibly horrific, and this is just one of the many reasons why I am so happy to see this guy just in prison, and that is, well, somebody somebody said something to him that he didn't like. And he goes, well, my friend, that's an L for you because a pedophile is doing better than you, he added. Jesus Christ. So you're, so he said this like he's proudly a pedophile. Yes. Bro. Because this guy this guy is so entitled. Yeah, it's six fucking nine. That's half of his branding is just how obnoxious he is and how much of a fucking idiot. He's literally made multiple songs off of how, much of, how, how stupid he is, bro. It's. I, what what like, was the name of his new album going to be? Hold on, I'm pretty sure that's something to play off of stupid. Because I, I, I honestly, I, I can't even name a single song by the guy. And despite him getting all these charges for sexual misconduct with a minor, all these new charges that are being pressed against him with the DOJ, there's so many different, like, just how the man conducts himself. Like, who, who was the rapper he had beef with? Was it Meek? Uh, shit. No, no, I, I, fuck. I have no idea, bro. I r- literally do not give half a shit about Six Nine. I remember earlier this year he had beef with some other rapper. I want to say it was Meek Mill, but I'm not convinced it was him. So his new album, by the way, I just googled the name. It's gonna be called Dummy. It was gonna be called Dummy Boy. There's features from like Nicki Minaj, Gunna, Tory Lanez. There's a bunch of shit on there. But is it possibly gonna be delayed because he's his ass is going to prison? So hold hold on. Let, let, well, I'm gonna figure out the rapper that he had beef with. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure what ended up happening is like he tried to talk big smack to the guy, and then every he had time beef with Drake, was it Drake? I think he had Drake. Like Drake didn't respond or nothing because it's Drake. You don't have to respond to six nine. But anyway, so every time said rapper would come to either L.A. or New York where six nine was, <laughs> sorry, he'd sorry, flee. I just googled six nine beef, and a website came up that's strictly dedicated to every rapper six nine has ever had beef with. Okay, <laughs> can, can, can you pull up the list? Yeah, I just did. Hold let's on, let's see it. Let's see it. So yeah, right now RJ's just pulling up. So the a, first one is yeah. Trippy, Trippy Red. That's the that's number one on the list. Trippy Red. Trippy Red. Okay. I, I honestly I I don't mind Trippy Red. Trippy Red. He makes he makes good music. He's a funny guy. Don't even know who he is. So sure. Don't, don't worry about that. Next. Pierre Bourne. Don't know who. Pretty that sure is. he's a producer. Stop hitting the mic. It's my ear holes. Sorry. <laughs> Casanova. Still don't know who that is. Oh wow. Okay, you need to study, bro. I I listen to like five rappers. But I listen to them a lot. AC High, I have no idea who that is. I don't know who that is either. The Game and YG. Okay, I know what. Okay, so the Game and YG are niggas you don't go and mess around with, bro. Like these man, like okay, maybe not the Game, but YG man's still in these streets. Like don't go fucking around with man's. Like 
Did you ever hear about how the game got his name, like, as the game? No, I actually like, So, I'm not 100, 100% certain, but I'm fairly sure that what ended up happening was he was so good at Madden that he was actually considered, like, the best player in the world at Madden. Oh, my God. And he'd just play, like, Madden all the time and, and make beats and rhymes. So, he just everything he did was about the, the game. game. Huh. So... And honestly, it turned out to be one of the dopest hip-hop names ever. Wild. Who else? Who else is on this? Roland Prince. No, no, but J. Prince Jr. J. Prince Jr. Uh, no, that's it. That's it. That, that's everyone on the list. But there's a whole article talking about the beef with every single artist. So but actually... who, like, how recent is this article? I, I, is this on. from 2017? Honestly, like, this should all be, up, like, I hope it's updated, like, constantly. What, uh, what website are you on? Uh... This is hot, hot new hip hop actually, so it's not a it's not a website dedicated to it. It's just an article dedicated to it. Okay, but still funny. Uh, I still find I still find the fact that Six Nine's finally going to jail. Like I just knew it was going to happen at some point. It's like he's not the kind of guy who carries himself properly when like because there's there's other dudes that carry themselves just as thug, if not more thug than Six Nine, and they're not in jail because they ran their shit properly. Like that's just it. It all comes down to how you run your game, how you run your crew. And this dude, like the last, the last thing he's talked about with it, to the public about his crew is that, what, like he fired all of them, and then there are rumors that they all wanted to kill him. Like, that, yeah, like, like if you're if you're on Six Nine's team and you know that you're about to be potentially convicted for life, then yeah, you might as like not saying you, <laughs> you might, might as, well. as well. That's that's Just a poor, toss murder in poor, there as well. Poor choice of words, but. If you're if you're already that deep into crime, then taking him out doesn't add any more to your sentence. I guess. I guess not, but that's a freebie. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I I don't like killing people, so I'm just gonna not. I agree. Advocate for killing people. I, I mean, even though it is that's six, not nine, that's not, not gonna... what I was saying. I was not advocating for murder. Uh huh. Let's uh let's try and keep this uh keep it kosher. Yes. Keep it kosher. Crispy crispy clean. Crispy cream. Crispy cream. Crispy cream. <laughs> I am the, the baddest, baddest of them all. all. If you ain't got money, then well, I don't mess with y'all. That's the second time we brought up Krispy Kreme, a.k.a. Froggy Fresh, on the podcast. Y'all think I don't get girls? Because I ain't very tall. tall. Uh, uh. I honestly think that he was genuinely clever. Like oh, some bro, of he, the, that was, Those were all jokes. Those had to No, be they cool. were. The, the best... I love how we're just changing topics to something so much That's more positive. That's nothing, bro. It just happened. So, Krispy Kreme in his music video, The Baddest, that came out in 2012, as he made it very clear at the beginning of the song, which used to say Krispy Kreme, but now it says Froggy Fresh. I love, I love the name Krispy Kreme better. 2012. Yeah, but he had to get rid of it because of the donuts. Yeah. And yeah. so, so the best part, he says it like five or six times, and he goes, and I don't even carry a gun. And in his hands, he's making like cross arms and he's got a gun like right in his hands he's, he's just like, like yeah i don't even and it's carry not, one bro and the best part is it's not even like he has a gun in the music video at different times is he has a gun in his hands at the exact same time as every time he says it and then in an interview with uh tosh.0 daniel tosh I fucking miss tosh.0 that so, shit was fucking amazing so daniel tosh had him on he's like did you realize that this happened, he's like, I didn't realize it till afterwards, and then I realized, oh, I do have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> the gun, the gun, realizing he had a gun was an afterthought. He's like, oh shit, I have a gun. Ugh. I don't even carry a gun. 
the best part is is that he made a rap for Tosh.0. And it no, I actually remember part part of it. It goes like, um, sitting in the kitchen eating a peanut butter jelly with my homeboy Daniel Tosh. It's me on the celly. He like, hey crispy, I got um no I uh hey crispy, you're coming out to Cali. Got some cute girls here, and there's one named Sally. Got up to the airport, there were girls everywhere. Asked if they could kiss me. I said sure, I don't care. And that's pretty much all I remember because I haven't watched this. It's like 2012. Oh, that, absolute ledge! It's okay if you re- you remember that rap. I remember uh, I remember Donald Glover and fuck. What's the actor that plays Abed in Community? Anyway, donde esta la biblioteca? Me llamo Tibor la Rally discoteca, discoteca, moneca, la biblioteca. Su truco de grande, pero manteca, manteca, bigote, gigante, pequeño, la cabeza es nieve, cerveza es bueno. Buenos días, me gusta Papa Frias, bigote de la cabra, es camarón Díaz. Okay, it's 2009. Uh, gringo Sorry. suave. That's the one thing I remember. <laughs> I don't remember Krispy Kreme raps, so I just remember that Childish Gambino. You know what I'm saying? That was uh, season one community. That was that was debatably my favorite Troy and Abed little scene at the end. That and Pepperwater. Pepperwater with Chevy Chase or, or Pierce, if you don't, if you're familiar with the show, but not the actor. But yo, he pu- he pulls up and they're like they're in the library. They're about to have a little water gun fight at the end of class or whatever. It was just the end of the episode. It's in the credits. So they they have their like giant ass super soakers, Troy and Abed, and then Pierce pulls up like this old nigga just pulls up with a fucking little pistol and, and they're just like, <laughs> is that the gun you're gonna use to distract us? When you pull out the super soaker that's duct taped to your back, and then he just sprays them both once in the face or right in the eyes, and they're like, ah. Oh! Ah, it's pepper water. Who puts pepper in water? Uh, it's amazing. Sorry, that's that's. Those are my two favorite like ending credit episodes of Community. Like those. Uh, hold up, hold up. Troy how, and I is my favorite duo. How ever, on but. earth have we made it this far in this many episodes in, and we have not mentioned nor recognized the appreciation and t- for the talent that is Donald Glover. Oh my, that is my favorite musician, how? or just favorite, favorite human being. Honestly, if I, had to, if I had to rank human beings, it would be Donald Glover, my mother, Frank Ocean. Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump, no. Um, and Barack Obama. Barack Obama. <laughs> Barack Hussein Obama. 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 Uh, anyway, Donald, Donald Glover, Glover I, I, I honestly, is the most talented human being on the planet. Ever, period. Full stop. Right I, I, I may not go as far to say ever. But not ever, certainly but like, at this moment in current pop culture, you you'd be very hard pressed to to point somebody to me that is more naturally gifted at so many different things. Bro, with Donald Glover, the thing is, I found him in different things at different times. So when I was in grade seven and eight, I I didn't really tell anybody this because this is kind of embarrassing. But I would watch reruns of the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival until like three a.m. every night. How is that embarrassing? <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird. Eh, that weird. I guess. Whatever. I love stand up comedy. Stand up comedy was something I just sat down and loved. Oh, watching. I love stand up. We were watching stand up watch. the other day. We, we, we literally watched Jim Jeffries the other day. Yeah. Because why not? But. Fire off! <laughs> but I was watching stand up comedy all the time. And then one day I came across Weirdo and I was like, hold on. I watched Weirdo and I'm like, holy shit. This is, for those of you who don't know, that's, Don, that's Donald Glover's special that used to be on. Netflix, but they took it down for some reason. So if you have some free time, it's go watch on Weirdo. YouTube. It's on YouTube. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Go watch Weirdo by Donald Glover. You will not regret it. Just look up Donald Glover stand up. Exactly, you'll find it. The Home Depot one. Yeah, when you Home get to Depot. that, when you get to the Home Depot, one, that is that is one. Or of the-, uh, the um, what was it? The uh, oh my god, um, 
Which one? It was uh, what's what's it like when you talk? Why I'm I'm blanking out so hard when you talk like the sign language. Sign Jesus. language. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> do you know the one I'm talking about? I, I'm pretty sure I know the one I'm talking. When you're talking about. Okay, so disclaimer. Okay, I'm quoting him because you cannot see my gestures. So, <laughs> but basically, video thing? basically, basically, the word the word was niglet. And <laughs> I remember this. And apparently he was like, like he said it in his stand-up routine, and he or he said it. Yeah, I he think had it was a sign language interpreter interpreting to the audience. Yeah, and and he was like, but there's one word you just don't know. And then she's like, oh, yeah, we got to what we have that. And he's like, what? And apparently all it is is like you touch your nose and then with two fingers together and then just move your hand to the side, <laughs> like. Oh my god, I, I that that shit was fucking funny. I'm not good. but Donald Glover. Hold on, I'll get back to my story. Donald Glover. I found him initially through stand up, and I real I really loved the stand up, and I was like, cool, that's awesome. Then my uh, my friends and I, it was actually Jack and Trevor. So Jack and Trevor are listening. Shout out to them. I remember we were sitting in my mom's. <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up, Jack. You know the morgues. Yes. <laughs> it's just RJ song morgues. Jack is mentioned in it. Oh, Jack's not mentioned in it. He's not mentioned in it, but he's mentioned in it indirectly. It, it wasn't my intention to, to reference Jack. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. <sighs> so, we're, we're later, whether what? it's today or another podcast, we're going to have to go over that song and tell okay, that story. One day, how about this? One day we'll actually have, if, if the fans want it, of course, because people have asked me to do something if similar the fan, to that. If the if fans the want fan, it. No, fan. If the fan, the singular, singular. If the singular. Fan, we have a fan in the let's, back of the room, and that's who I'm going to ask. His name's Greg. But anyway, if anybody wants it, I'll actually do like a breakdown. Like I'll take like my top five songs. I'll go on Spotify and see my top five songs, and I'll break down some of the lyrics from those. Or I can talk about some uh, some of the stuff that's on my new album. Break down what's going on with that. But that will become on uh, on a later date. Anyway, getting back to my story with, with how much I fucking love Donald Glover. So going, we, uh, Trevor, and for those of you who don't know, my mom taught at my high school. So She was uh, my teacher for two classes. Yeah, she was awesome. Shout out, mom. But um, so we're in my mom's classroom. She, like, she's off to having lunch. This is on lunchtime. So we're just sitting in there watching episodes of Community. And I never really watched Community before. And Trevor and, uh, Trevor and Jack were just like, yo, we should watch the show. So we started watching Community. And then I saw Donald Glover. And I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking Donald Glover. I love Donald Glover. Donald Glover's dope. So I started watching the whole show. I like, would, would watch the shit out of Community. I love Community. And then, except for when it went over to, what, what was it, playing on Yahoo? Or some, some, some random crap? Yeah, I can't remember who bought the rights for it. It, it was bullshit after that. Well, well, like, anyway, moving on. <laughs> I love Community, loved Donald Glover's character in that, his acting, his versatility from, from stand-up to that. It was like, yes, it's very impressive, but, like, it's just so, like... It's still not... comedy. Exactly. It's still comedy, the same thing. Then, I f- then, about a year later, I found the music, and oh my god. Yeah, Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino is my biggest, inspira- biggest inspiration for just, like... Be trying to be as multi-talented as possible, just for actual genuine talent in, de- in general. Donald Glover is a huge inspiration for me, man. Like I don't, I don't know how the hell he does it. I've seen his short films like Clapping for the Wrong Reasons. I absolutely love everything. I, I cannot name a Donald Glover piece of work that I don't like. I just don't understand how everything he does 
is so good. It's he's amazing. a producer. He wins Emmys. Yep. You know, he's he's an actor and he's in Oscar nominated films. Yep. He I, I don't think he's been nominated yet for an Oscar. No, but he deserves yet. one. He definitely like he deserves ha- he has one. the I won't say he deserves one because I don't think he's had a role that can justify no, an I'm Oscar just him winner nominee. But I think human. him as a talent, I think. Yeah, he has more than enough talent to. I, I will to make win-win. him an Oscar out of tinfoil and present it to him. <laughs> and then not only that, it's like he produces, he directs, and then he acts, and he's done so many different roles, like Lando Calrissian oh my and Solo. Yep. And then compared to Troy in Community, night and day, night and day, night, night and day. day. His character in The Martian was excellent, incredible. He's just everything, and and then he's not only does he rap, but then he's like, you know what? I'm going to try I'm gonna some R&B. I'm going to my voice completely and just sing. Yeah. And he's got a weird voice, but it's great. It's incredible. Oh, like, it's incredible. That's not his usual singing voice, buddy, but on, on Awaken My Love. That's not his usual singing voice, but like, oh, that dude can sing. That dude can rap. And he can, can dance. Act, that dude can dance. That dude can be funny. He's everything. Donald Glover is my biggest inspiration to just be as good as I can ever be. And if you can it. ever be like one one hundredth of what Donald Glover is, you'll You're be successful. one of the most successful people in the world. Facts, facts, facts. And he's had a huge year for himself. Yeah. This is America blew up as it should have. This is America. Don't catch you tripping, no. no. But uh, no, that was phenomenal song and even better music video. It's one of those. Yep. It's one of those songs that you listen to and it's like, oh, okay, there's some messaging there, and it's got a, it's, it's cool. But then you watch the music video and it's so cryptic and it's just phenomenally well pieced together and so much storytelling and so much hidden within the tea leaves in it honestly and just deciphering it is half the fun and even um feels like summer is like that too it feels like summer I love that song. Oh, the music video for that was great too, because he just basically took the entire mu- like at least hip hop industry and just put it onto a street yeah. and like humanized everybody and like really put everyone in their place and put put the music industry into perspective. Like if you don't know any of those artists, and then you go and watch that video, and then you go and look at the hip hop industry, then like you'll be you'll be set. You know where everyone's place is. You know, there's like, a lot of yeah. YouTube videos that are out there. So if any of you are listening, look up "Feels Like Summer" interpretation. And there's a bunch of videos that kind of analyze the video and kind of explain the dynamics of what's going on and what the symbolism means between all the hip-hop artists. And why it feels like summer. Why does it feel like summer? Well, go watch a video and find out. Perhaps because it's in June. Oh, shit. That could be it. <laughs> <laughs> How do we get from 6 9 all the way to talking about Feels Like Summer by Donald Glover? Well, the mean, music video I mean, and the both, analytic They're video. both hip-hop. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But we also talked about his comedy, his whole career leading up to it. And in between, we had Krispy Kreme. That's true. Krispy Kreme okay, was Rocky the Fresh. segue between 6 9 and <laughs> Donald Glover. Donald Glover. Krispy Kreme is right in between. Krispy Kreme is sandwiched right in between talent levels of 6 9 and <laughs> Donald Glover. That is where he belongs, right in the middle. He is the median. He's the median. He's the median. Right in the middle. 6 9 and Donald Glover. That's, that speaks Because volumes. not only does Krispy Kreme rap, he, or I should say he's Froggy Fresh. He's the baddest Fresh, of them all. He's the baddest of them all. And if he ain't got money, then he won't mess with y'all. You don't think he don't get girls because he ain't very tall? Oh, he gets girls. And not only that, but he produces, edits, and directs his own music videos, which get millions and millions of views. Do you think 6 9 produces, edits, and directs his own? No. I don't think so. Nope. Nope. Not only that, 
he's created Tyler Cassidy, his own singing sort of account where he uses that old old webcam that we were talking about two podcasts ago. Indeed. Indeed, Leo. So, yeah, I think he's perfectly sandwiched right between Donald Glover and Six and Froggy Fresh is a character. That's so true. So it proves that he can but actually also, act. Also, but also, Six Nine is a character. His entire life is a character. <laughs> Not a good one, though. I think it's more of a caricature. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You got a point. Anyway, let's stop giving Six Nine the the control of our podcast right now. Yeah, let's get him off. Honestly, I won't talk about him again until he's behind bars. Thank you very much. Unless there's news that he's going to be behind bars, because that would really excite me. Exactly. But yeah, I think uh, you know what I want to kind of talk about. What? Let's hear it. So one of the things I was thinking about. Um, talking about, and I think it can make some really interesting conversation, completely unrelated to anything we've talked about today, and a little bit different than we what we've talked about before, is kind of mentioning, we'll, we'll talk about both of us, and what I want to ask you first, and then I'll kind of answer it for myself after, is the past three years you've taken, you started to really get into music. Yeah. And four years ago, you really weren't. Into, like you were more of a listener and more passive yeah, in, in music. That. And yeah. then I remember we were working together. Three years ago, you started kind of dabbling with it, playing around. And then it wasn't, I'd say, until a year after that that you really started taking it seriously. So about, It was like 2016 when I actually so, started Yeah, so about two years ago. It was on my birthday. Okay, this is something actually really creepy. Um, on, so basically on my birthday on tw- in 2016, I was turning, what, I was turning 18 at that point? So I was 17 when I graduated? I yeah, think. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, you would have been. <laughs> yeah, you're 97. Yeah, so that sounds about right. Anyway, you would have been turning nine. Yeah, 19. 2016. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's 2016. I don't. Yeah, really. You'd have been turning 19. Okay, whatever. There we go. I was turning 19. There we go. <laughs> Is that sad that I don't know exactly? I was turning into 2016. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So on my birthday of that year, is that that's when I really decided to take music seriously. That's when something inside of me, I don't know what it was, but something inside of me told me, yo, start taking music a lot seriously. A you lot just had an seriously. intuitive feeling. Exactly. And you want to know something that's really creepy. On that date, July 15th, 19, uh, 2016, 2016, not 1997. That was the death date of the original Roland Prince. I think you've told me this before. But that's I've told so you cool. this. I've never told the podcast this. I've never yeah. really told a lot of people that, but that's uh, so cool. Like that's the day that I really decided to take music seriously. I wasn't going by Roland Prince yet at that time. Going by Drama Kid. I was going by Drama Kid, but I, that's the day I literally decided to t- start taking music really seriously. And then a while later, that's when I actually when I got into. Um, when I got into uh, music industry arts at Algonquin, that's when I actually started to call myself Roland Prince. And the name just came to me. I didn't know about the original Roland Prince or, like when I first got into, got into music I, uh, or even when I first just started to actually take it seriously. Uh, but when I thought of the name Roland Prince, because my name is actually Roland, and I was like, okay, well, what can, I don't want to use my, my Govey, my Govey last name. So I'm just going to like, I'll put Prince on the end of it. I like this. I like the sound of Prince. It's like I'm I'm a black prince, African black prince. You know, I'm doing my thing. I'm just uh, I'm Roland Prince. I like the name, of, the sound of that. I googled that name, and of course, the original Roland Prince shows up. And I'm like, hold on, he's an Augustinian jazz guitar playist. Playist. Are you a guitar playist in a in a in a pianoer? A pianoer. Uh, no, I'm actually uh, I'm actually a flutist. A flutist. A flutist Maximus. <laughs> no, Flu- but um, flutist so Prime. Flutist <laughs> Prime. Um, but uh, anyway, I was I found he's an Augustinian jazz guitar player, and I found out that he died on the ex- uh, on my birthday, 
the, on the year that I really like on the day that I literally decided to take music seriously and this make it my job. I found that so crazy that it's like I came to this name by myself, not knowing about who this guy was, about any of his music or, or anything. I came, found this name, and then he also died on my birthday for one, and then two. He like that's also and the day the birthday he died on was the was the year I decided to take music seriously. I couldn't be like maybe maybe I'm the reincarnation of Roland Prince suddenly. I don't know. I mean, you can't I got be the reincarnation when you were alive. Yes, I, I, I'm aware of that. I, thank you. It's it's he gave me his energy or some shit. I don't fucking know. Nigga. There was a transfer of of energy from oh, some, Roland to Roland. Some some spooky ghosty goodness. You're Roland in the deep. Don't don't tell jokes when I'm drinking water. Bro. <laughs> I'm gonna end up spitting water all over my microphones. But but anyway, so yeah, yeah that's sorry. incredibly fascinating. But I'll get back to the yeah, my bad. Sorry, I, yeah, I no, 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 it. no. Don't don't worry about it. That was more than uh, interesting, and I'm glad you included it. But basically, I, the question I kind of want to ask is, um, and I'll answer it from my own account after, mm-hmm. and that is in the past two years since you started taking music seriously. Um, what are the changes you've noticed in your life in terms of your behavior, in terms of your outlook, and how you think it's benefited you as a human being? Um, I've really, my work ethic has gotten a lot better. Because in high school, in, even in university, when I was going to university, I didn't have that great of a work ethic. I just kind of like did the bare minimum and did what I needed to do because I didn't care about what it was that I was doing. Like when I was in high school, I didn't care about anything in high school. I didn't care about my classes. I didn't care about my grades whatever, I'm just going to get by and pass, do what I need to do, why would I put out more effort than I have to? Then I found music, and I just wanted to put all my effort into it. I wanted to, so like, I, I didn't want to put out half-ass work, I wanted to put out good shit, I wanted to put out good work. So I, it just made me actually have to sit there and work, and because I wasn't, at the time that I started music, I wasn't a trained engineer like I am now. I'm, excuse me, I'm going to get my diploma up on the wall soon, but you know, just pretend it's there for now. Y'all can't see it, but like, whatever, it's there. Um, but before I even got my engineering degree, I had to figure out everything in my works in my digital audio workstation or DAW, or like Logic or FL for those of you who don't know. But I had to figure out everything in my software in my DAW by myself by going on YouTube and learning it. And it just the process of learning without school really made me have to do everything myself. And I had to have a good work ethic, or I couldn't get what I wanted musically out of what it was that I was doing. So my, I had to make my work ethic better. And then that, of course, ended up transferring into everything that I ended up doing. So now everything I do, I just have a better work ethic. So then when I actually went to school to become an audio engineer and get certified, I put a lot more work into that, not only because it was music, what I already wanted to do, but it was because I had that training beforehand of a couple of years of learning how to produce on a Chromebook, learning how to produce on a random shit laptop with random DAWs that I was not familiar with. I was I, I, like, it's just something I had to learn how to do. And when I got into school and I had the, the chance right in front of me to do exactly what it is that I want to do, I put all of my newfound work ethic towards it. And here I am. So work ethic is the biggest thing that learning or learning how to do music and taking music seriously work ethics is the thing biggest thing it's given me how do you think that's changed your relationships your outlook in life and and you as a human being to be honest it's actually given me a more of a negative outlook on the world and just shown shown me a lot how a lot of people aren't really willing to work for the things that they want they'll just do a really they'll take a very easy route something that's safe because there's not a lot of risk to it because yes music the music industry is a very high risk thing and if you don't pop, if you don't, like, it's just hard. It's hard to make money. You have to work a lot harder. And a lot of people are scared of working harder than they have to. 
So mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't willing to put in the work that's necessary to become a musician too. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to boost myself. I'm not, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just telling, I'm just saying exactly how much work it is. And you got to work your ass off and not be scared to work your ass off if you want to be a musician. And so it's given me almost a negative outlook on a lot of things, a lot of people, just because I see so many people that have so much potential that want to go do something, but they don't put anything into it. Then they do the bare minimum, just like I used to do, because they haven't found the thing that they want to put their time into, mm-hmm. or they haven't spent the time trying to learn the thing that they want to do by themselves and actually put effort into it and learn what it, and, and learn it and have to gain that work ethic. They didn't go. They didn't go through that process I had to of getting my work ethic. So they're just like okay, because they don't care about what they're doing. There's a lot of like a lot of people are in school just scraping by by the skin of their teeth, just like I was doing, and they're totally fine with that for their entire life. And if I didn't find music, I probably would have been in the exact same boat, just doing whatever for whatever. And it, anyway, it's just not a not a positive experience. But my outlook on a lot of people is just that they're not willing to work, and it frustrates me when people ask for something they really want something, but they're not willing to actually put the time in to work for it. And seeing that really actually makes me sad. A lot of people like just throwing their time away. I think a lot of that is because of two things. One, people don't develop work ethic in a lot of cases. Like you and I developed working, like really intense work ethic by finding things that we were so passionate about that we couldn't breathe without it. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of people struggle to find those things for a couple reasons. One is they're worried about the pressures of society, whether that's their family, their parents, or anybody, friends, or even just like the concern of general people's opinions Mm -hmm. about what they're doing, that they would rather stay safe and go down a route that can provide them a little bit more security as opposed to doing something that's going to provide them with a lot of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. The risk for fulfillment is really high in the short term, but I don't think it is as high as what people make it seem in the long run. Not in the slightest. So for you, I would, I'm would i 100% confident 20 years from now, assuming you keep doing this, which I have no doubt in my mind that you will, that the bare minimum, you'll be making six figures being a producer for somebody, being an like your own engineer. Fingers crossed, your, the studio's growing already. But hopefully I'm talking. I'm talking twenty years. years I'm talking twenty bigger. years from now. That's two decades. That's double our life. Yeah, that's true. You know, so that's so much time. And so I'll be forty-one. The way the way we look at this is, we want to be doing this for decades, as long as you I know? possibly can. Whereas I think people get too concerned with trying to please others for one to two to three years at a time, which develops this really dark, dangerous pattern of short-term thinking. And I think that's where a lot of unhappiness, lack of fulfillment, and lack of ambition and work ethic comes from. Because if, you, if you're constantly trying to do things to prevent negative opinions about yourself, then all you're doing is putting yourself at risk of never finding fulfillment, never finding vigor, and never finding the career or the goals that you actually would truly aspire to achieve. And... When you spend so much time dwelling on those people's opinions and pleasing others, Mm -hmm. then you don't take the time to reflect on what is it do I actually love? What is it that really makes me tick? What is it that I can imagine myself doing every single day of my life? And it's it's sad. What can I imagine me doing every single day of my life is what can I imagine me doing every single day of my life that I would love to do? 
Yeah, well, that's that's what I meant inherently. Because a lot of because a lot of people will go into like a nine to five and say, "Yeah, I can see me doing this for every day for the rest of my life," but hate it. Yeah. But it's like it's just a check. It's just money. So like, I don't know. I just wanted to make that distinction. Yeah, and I think, I think people get too caught up in how much money they plan on making as opposed to worrying about how they actually make it. 100%. Or if they are worrying about how they make it, they're worrying about, ooh, well, is working for Google going to look cool to everybody else? Because only the coolest and smartest and most intellectual people work at Google, you know, and and all these other things, or work for some prestigious company and get some, some great benefits and to me, it's if if that's your goals and ambitions, that's amazing. And in, if that's, that's you what, achieving your goal, if, if that's if, what if makes you if happy, it makes right? you happy and fulfilled, and you feel like you're really contributing. If that's that's amazing. But when you're doing that because mom and dad are pushing you in that direction, I think that's it's sad because I'm lucky enough where I didn't have to deal with that very much, um, so I can't relate to it too much. But I do empathize as much as I can um, because I do know what it's like to feel so vigorous about something and have basically videography, photography, and all this sort of stuff control the vast majority of my thought process. So. I understand that, man. Like, honestly, one of the biggest reasons that James and I are such good friends is because I see the the same things that I see in him, the same thing he sees in me. Mm-hmm. It's our, our want, our need, our drive towards the hustle. Like, the game is just what we like. So That's we're what just this podcast keep, is. Honestly, it's just it's just us trying to go through and grind it, grinding the game. That's it. It's just we're just grinding out here. We're like and we like trucks on skateboards, bro. We grinding. <laughs> I was I was saying to RJ's mom before that basically my goal with this podcast is not to get thousands of listeners. It's not to get everybody in the world listening to what we have to say. It's not to get all these brand deals and all these sponsorships and all these things and to turn this into a business. If that's the case, that'd be amazing. I'm more than happy. That would make me very happy because that's something I'm genuinely interested in. But my actual goal for this is to listen to what we're recording right now in this studio, November 20th, 2018, at almost 9.30, and to look at this five, eight, ten years from now and just see how far we've come. Yeah. Listening. Even if we're not doing the podcast anymore, just coming no, back it, and listening well, to it. Well, most likely ten years from now we may not be. And <laughs> Probably not the same podcast, but... Yeah, and so ten years from now we can listen to these exact words and we can listen to ourselves and be like, wow, we were really full of shit at this time or wow, <laughs> we actually like, we called ourselves out. We did it. You know, we, we, we said we were going to do this and we did it or... Yeah. It keeps us and, accountable and, in the future. And if what, we're saying we're going to do this. Exactly. And the thing that I love about actually having this recorded is that I can listen to this at any point in my future and I can use it to motivate me to say, don't let you ever say something on the record in public and never back it up. It holds That's, us accountable. Exactly. And to me, that is so important because I am like, I cannot breathe without thinking of new opportunities. Every Honestly. single day I wake up and I'm like, I try and make every decision I possibly can. How is this going to make me closer to traveling more? A lot of dudes at 21 have a girl that sleeps on the, the left side of their bed. One of what sleeps on the left side of my bed, my laptop. And every single morning, as soon as I wake up, I watch anime. And then after I watch anime, <laughs> then after I watch anime, I will go and I will look on Sonic Bids or I will look on a bunch of different websites and find music festivals around the world to apply to. A f- find musician contests that I could apply to to just or or apply for funding from Factor to go on, to to plan my next tour or plan my next album release. Every morning I wake up and try and grind. And I know that you do the same thing. You wake up and you try and grind. That's why I respect you. Is what you do. And I just I'm I really want 
anyone who's listening to this, I ha- I have a whole lot of nothing. I have nothing. Yeah, and I'm not that's saying that I have anything over anybody else. All I'm saying is if you wake up and you grind, you could turn your nothing into something. And that's just the goal for me. Hopefully that the goal will be and uh, the this same podcast. For you. Yeah, I honestly I just I hope I motivate one person. If I motivate one person to do anything, what anything that th- it is that they love, if I can if I can say what I'm doing and that motivates someone, my job's done. And the reason we call this podcast whole lot of nothing is not because of the topic of conversations. That just happens to be a bonus. We talk about nothing till nothing's enough. We say that a lot. And the reason in its inherency, why we called it a whole or just whole lot of nothing is because the current state of what we have in terms of our goals is absolutely zero. You know, we're, we've, we put in a couple years of work, but we're still, we're, we're not even started. We're, bro, we're not even, we're not even we close are, to where we're We are nowhere going. near the goals and dreams and ambitions that we have, which is a literal whole lot of absolutely nothing in terms of our, of these, of these dreams. Like our journey is just starting. Yes. And our journey is like, we haven't even made it, we haven't even made it through what we like. Let's say we live 100 years. We haven't even made it 25% of the way. Yeah. And right now, I'm looking, and you are too, at decades ahead in terms of this sort of work. And so to be two years into it and to feel like this incredible about how how much joy I get out of creating things. Mm -hmm. So I guess guess I'll kind of answer my own question now that you've had a chance to speak for a bit. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Answer the question. I think I'll start with my story about how I got into videography. Let's hear it, bro. Let's hear it. Um, the, the origin story. The origin story. This is episode one of the comic book one. Yes. The, the origin story. Let's hear it. Let's hear yeah. it. It's the most important book of the comics. So uh, growing up, mountain biking, downhill mountain biking, slash free ride mountain biking was a big part of, of my life, especially from around 2008 is when I got my, uh, when I started biking, it was around grade six. And me and some friends, we decided to bike back from school. Um, and we went through the forest. And instead of going on the gravel path, we were like, you know what? Like, let's go hang out and go on go on the off-road stuff. The first time I ever rode mountain biking trails was the most fun I'd had in my entire life. And it was at that point that I knew, like, I had found something that I was so passionate about. And something that I know that I will keep for the rest of my life. I knew that literally the first time. And... So then I kept going on my super cycle, my little Canadian tire bike in these trails every single day after school. On weekends, I'd spend probably like six hours navigating through all of these trails, a lot of cross country, going up and downhill over really technical terrain as like this 11-year-old, 12-year-old kid. And I'd go with my friends. Uh, about a year later, 2009, we started making tiny little jumps, maybe like a foot or two tall going maybe two to three feet far. And it was just just little fun. Uh, by 2010 and 11, or 2010, we kind of were doing the same thing. Um, and then 2011, I got my first downhill bike because we started actually hitting jumps that were getting bigger and bigger. And I was like, you know what? I really want to get into this further. And we had a great network of trails just around the corner. Is that Leslie? Uh, no, that was, uh, I didn't have a name for her. That was my Kona Stinky. My 2007. <laughs> oh, the Kona. My 2007 Kona Stinky. If you're, thinking about, buying a Kona, if you're thinking about buying a mountain bike, just a little sidebar here. Don't buy a Kona. <laughs> Jamie will vouch. Anyways, so I had my Kona Stinky. That was in uh, 2010, I think I got it, actually. So we picked it up. Yeah, it was 2010. 2010, I got it. I uh, paid for it all myself. 
Uh, I sold my previous mountain bike, which I had got the year before, which was a cross-country bike, which my parents got me for my birthday as a as a way to continue growing with the sport. little gift list. And so um, I it was cool. It was also my first introduction into, like, selling things. So I had to, like, put my list up on Pinkbike and on Kijiji. I had to price it, and then I had to get in contact with buyers, um, potential buyers and stuff. And it was it, that in itself was a cool experience. So fast forward a couple years, and up until, like, 2012, we are riding our bikes every single day. By 2011... I'm hitting jumps, maybe starting off at six feet, nothing big. And then by the end of 2012, we were all sessioning jumps at least 20, 25 feet and just flying through these trails. And I was, I end of 2012, I had just turned 16. So when we'd go mountain biking, we'd often film ourselves. And we'd bring cameras and we'd want to make these edits. And on Pink Bike, we were like, okay, we're going to get video of the day one day. We're going to film ourselves. People are going to like our riding. They're going to like our filming. And, and we're going to do this. And so we made this joke project called A Day in Narnia. Narnia with a G, like shredding the nar. Narnia. And we did it. And it was this great thing. The only thing we were missing was Mr. Tumnus and uh, <laughs> the centaur. And... That was kind of my first introduction into film. So every single day from basically 2011 to 2014 or – yeah, probably about 2014, I probably watched a couple thousand mountain bike edits. And they were high-end edits, my favorite being the ones from Sylvia Films. And I was just obsessed with the the editing, the creativity of getting the, like, these really cool shots, whether it was a cable cam that was going down the trails, following these guys, um, these riders that would ride so hard, but then the cinematography would match the, the quality of their riding. And so I was never a filmer myself, but I was constantly surrounded by filming and ideas that... It was always a part of me without me realizing it for a couple of years because I was wa- consuming so much of that content. And I, deep down, always wanted to make stuff like that. I just didn't have the means in terms of money, equipment, and all these other things. Um, so then, uh, 2016, my best riding buddy, CJ, passed away. And that was in March. And I remember I called you. Yeah, you called me. That was hardest day of my life. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he lost a three-year-long battle against his depression, which I cannot stress enough. He fought so incredibly hard and is probably one of the strongest people I've ever had the pleasure of knowing and Honestly. someone I couldn't be more proud of to call my best friend. And so after that, I was, I was asked um, to do some public speaking for some of, the, uh, some of the charities within the city that represent mental health initiatives such as the Hope's Rising campaign at the Queens Bay Carlton Hospital Foundation. Um, by September, so that happened in March, by September they approached me asking if I could make a video that represented CJ's life, um, kind of showing who he was as a human being beyond his illness, beyond um, his depression and who he was at his core. And I knew that the only people that could tell his story the best, who he was, were the people closest to him. And so myself and Ben, who is the guest on either our next podcast or the one you listened to before this, depending on when we decide to put this one we'll, out. We'll see. We'll see. So Ben is a guest on one of these podcasts. He's cool as shit. Um, we got to work. We collected all this home footage, all the Snapchats that we had of him, all the home video, all the GoPro footage from the skiing and the biking that we've all done. And basically... It, 
I wanted to take CJ's music because he was probably the most talented, naturally naturally talented musician I've ever known. Um, played the drums better than almost anybody. Played the guitar. Insane mu- like, musician. Insane. Don the Era on all streaming services, by the way. Uh, she's not on Spotify or Apple Music anymore. Oh, okay, okay. He, I think he only had a one-year oh, thing, okay. and then when he passed away, it was... Oh, okay. Taken off. But he's on Bandcamp. So if you look up Don the Era. Don the Era. D A W N the Era. Amazing music. All the cover art as well, he painted himself. Every every aspect of of it was him. Everything. Everything. There was not a single detail that was anyone else. Yep. Um, But, anyway, so we we looked at this, and basically, in my head, I created this narrative. And I was like, okay, the first part of the film, I want to express his passions, show the things that he loved to do. That was biking, that was skiing, that was music, that was being with his closest friends and his family. And so I took all that footage and we, it was, we put it all into iMovie and then we put one of, his, uh, one of his songs, just an instrumental song called Pendant, played that, edited it to the beats and everything and we had to learn iMovie as we were going because I had never really done anything like this before and it was completely foreign. But in my head, completely ingrained was, this is the story I have to tell. I have to make sure that my best friend, my absolute best friend, like like my brother, basically, um, is being shown as the human being that he is outside of his illness, who he was at his core. And so I showed all of his passions. And then the second part of the video um, is basically Ben and I go to Whistler Mountain and we take his ashes to the, t- to the summit. And the song that is playing is called Over the Mountains by him. And this song, the last lyric of it goes, there's a place just over the mountains. I almost made it there. And so mountains were a very strong theme in his life. He was a skier, a mountain biker. The album artwork were mountains. And we wanted to literally take him over the mountains because we wanted to say that, no, there's a place just over the mountains. We... we took you there. You have been there. You are there. And so we did this, and we filmed it um, just on our GoPros that we brought from a couple different angles, and then intermittently showed some video footage of him. And then we premiered this video, and it was the first time I'd ever made a project like this. I, I was not a videographer at all, and the only thing I knew with this was I knew that I had a story and a narrative that I needed to tell. And I knew exactly as I was piecing it together, every decision I made was to make that story work and to tell it as best as I could. And that was before I'd learned literally anything about it. And so we go to the big gala, and there's about 450 people there, some of the wealthiest people in the city, um, to premiere this, this video to help raise more money. And... During the video, I'm looking around, and it's really emotional for me to watch it and see the reactions at the time. And I'm seeing there's people laughing, not because not laughing at it, but there were parts in it that, that were funny, just showing who he was. And then there are people that are crying because um, it really resonated with them. And I just see so much emotion being poured into an idea that I, that I created um, with, with the help of Ben, obviously. Um, However, not to like to my own horn, but it was most, Ben helped out a good bit, but it was kind of 
the direction that we took was kind of more so my ideas. And that's not to discredit Ben. It was just kind of I led that project in particular, and that just happened to lead me to more. I guess I naturally gravitated really towards the story side of things. And so after that is premiered, a man comes up to CJ's mother and he says that he was so moved by the video that he wanted to put up his villa in Barbados up for auction um, for a full week vacation there, which was not like on the silent auction whatsoever. He just like, he told her, he's like, I'm doing this right now. And we found out later that night that that sold for $7,000. Jeez. I had people come up to me telling me that they donated specifically because of that video or they donated more because of it because it gave them a connection to what mental illness is about, to what the campaign is trying to bring. And it was at that moment I realized, I was like, I have to do this more. I have to, I was like, one, I enjoyed so much being able to tell this story, being able to connect with these people. But what I really enjoyed was seeing their reactions to something that I didn't know how people would react to and seeing an overwhelming sense of positivity and a difference that was actually being made. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, like this little bit of work that we did just in a full day made such a big difference. And just the way people were thinking about the charity, the way people were thinking about mental illness uh, and understanding it, and as well as an actual financial impact. And it was at that moment that I committed. I was like, I'm going to make this my career. Mm -hmm. Um, And since then, I haven't looked back. I've spent every penny I own on on camera gear and investing in myself and learning more things about this. Um, Pretty much every week, I'm learning something new in Premiere. Recently, I started taking up After Effects. And now I'm starting to connect that with my other passions, which is travel. And I've been traveling my whole life, especially with my family, and that's what led me to be in Southeast Asia for two and a half months. And that's kind of my beginning story, and now I'm here at the beginning of this journey. And like I said in one of the recent podcasts, now I I got my first sponsored trip with a company called American Wanderlove. Um, They're based out of Bali, Scotty and Leslie, two incredible people, and we're going to Morocco to have the most adventurous and meditative retreat ever and I wouldn't have had this opportunity I don't think if I was never asked to make that first film and I don't think I would have found this passion of mine and since then it's just been relentless it takes up every waking hour of my life every I I wake up at 5 a.m every day and I'm like okay like I'm gonna head to work let's get this bread and every every penny I make at work I'm investing in flights or I'm investing in new gear and every decision I make, I'm like, how can how can this benefit me in terms of video production? How can this benefit me in terms of like uh, personal branding? And that's not from like a selfish standpoint. I just find it fun. Mm-hmm. I love the whole, now I'm into the marketing side of things. I'm into the branding side of things. I'm into photography, which I never was into. And it's opened my doors to so many different things. So that's kind of how it changed me as a, as a person is it made me more hardworking, like you were saying, because when you have something you're so passionate about and you love so much, you will stop at absolutely nothing to make that happen. Yeah. And so, if you're not willing to stop at nothing to get better at that one thing, you're, it's not the thing. It's not your thing. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I've never been fully in love, so I guess that's not the way I can, I can put like, – I guess that's the only thing I can compare it to. But it's like uh, what I've heard from every person that I know that has been genuinely in love, they're just like, when you know, you know. Yeah. And with – the thing that I'm doing with music, it's, 
I've never felt a connection to anything stronger than my connection to music because it's like I can literally with like, I might not know how to put my emotions about something into words, but I can make it into music and I can put the words over top of that that to portray a different emotion, but the actual music itself can portray something that's totally beyond words. And I don't know. And that's I, exactly where we're doing the exact same thing. Exactly, yeah. Because you are creating something that has never existed. You're coming up with this concept, this idea of emotions. It could be a story. It could be an emotion you want people to feel. Mm-hmm. And you're crafting that into a piece of content. And I'm, that's what I feel I'm doing the same when it comes to video. I, I try and tell stories and think of the emotions that I want to. So the first thing I do when I – so for my short film, which hopefully comes out next month – uh, the first thing I Fingers did, crossed. the first thing I did when I wrote the script was I wrote down the emotions I want people to feel. That was the very first thing. Before I wrote a sentence, I was like, okay, what what do I want to evoke in people? I want to make people feel inspired, but I also want to kind of take them on a on a bit of a, a, a journey, journey. Yeah. a journey through different emotions, and kind of it. Tr- at one point, it's low, and then it builds and it picks up. And so I wrote down the emotions, and I wrote down the themes. And it's kind of the same thing when it comes to music. You understand, you're like, okay, what are the emotions I'm currently feeling? Mm-hmm. And how can I express those? And we're just ex- expressing those in some form of content. Mm-hmm. One is more visual. One is more auditory. But the funny thing is, when you put those two together, you can have something so profound. you got to love sandwich. So with this new project that's coming up, am I, am I allowed to say 100%. That? Let's okay. go. So with this new project that's coming up, I'm, I'm composing the score. I'm, I'm doing a lot of the music behind it. I'm doing the production. So I've been working on the piano. We've actually gone all the way to Toronto to record guitars. We're going to be coming and recording um, more. We're going to be recording with drums and a bunch of just other percussion. I'm, I'm going to be layering in strings. Anyway, I see the emotions that he's trying to portray, and I see the way he's doing it visually. So I'm trying my best to do it audi- audibly. So you can put that on top and just get a full experience. So this video is going to be on another level than that first video that he made, uh, talking about CJ and his life, and it's going to be fantastic. It's, I just, I'm it's, really looking forward to how this piece is going to come together. It's the difference between the kind of skill it takes to make something in a day figuring out iMovie and make something in a couple months um, by literally creating the entire score. Not entire, because half, about half the score, because the other half is Casbo. Mm-hmm. Because it picks up. Um, and then literally making the score, um, I'm doing the full sound design of all the sound effects that we're adding into it, the full color correction and color grade, um, and every 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 transition, everything I've learned, um, how, how am I going to tell this narrative the best? And it's just, it's going to be the accumulation of pretty much everything I've learned in two years. And I'm, I couldn't be more excited to to work on it. And I'm I'm really proud that you're you're being a part of it too because I'm, I'm so happy to be that I was a person that you came to that we were like hey I want you to do this I want you to compose this I want you to to write music for me because I like what you do like that's that 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 thing like I appreciate and we're that using CJ's song over the mountains as yeah. the main sample I'm sam- I'm sampling it and then adding layers on top of that so if there's one thing that you're taking from this podcast. Follow your dreams, do what it is that makes you happy, and go after it full force. And if you're not willing to do that, then it's not the thing for you, or there's something inside of you that you need to change. And I had a second point, but it's completely gone now because I looked at the ducks on the wall. I'll leave, I'll leave my final point because this yeah, has been a, a podcast that's kind of gone all over the place, but I think it's been fun. S- started with 6 9 ended with motivational speaking. And so 
I think based on everything that I've learned by relentlessly chasing my dreams and my goals with video production and travel, um, even though it's just the beginning, everything I've learned from the losses um, in the past couple of years, the one thing I want to take away is that the most valuable asset we have on planet Earth is time. The only thing that every single person in this world wishes they have more of is not cars, it's not money, it's not materials, it's, it's not even people, it's time. We all wish that we had more time with each other, we all, and we all wish we had more time to do the things that we want to do. And because time is finite, you have to make your decisions around time valuable. You have to make sure that every decision that you make regarding time is using it to the best that you can, the best of your abilities. And to me, there's nothing more important than that because you never know how quickly things can go. You never know until you've been through something really challenging how fragile life really is. And you never know just how fast that you as a person can change. So if you can live every single day to the fullest extent, and some days are not going to be great, but if you can give more than you take, and if you just provide as much as much positivity into this world and use that time and squeeze as much out of it as you possibly can, then you're going to achieve some incredible things. And even though we haven't achieved not even a portion of what we want to, nothing. this is kind of the message that we want to spread, and hopefully we can continue to grow. Follow, follow your dreams. Do the things that make you happy and pursue them with relentless, relentless, relentless... Uh, there's a word. Drive. It starts with a P. Drive. There we go. Drive. I was going to say P. It starts with a P. What is it? Perseverance. Relentless perseverance. perseverance. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. But just keep on pursuing the things that you want. If you don't know how to do something, learn how to do it. Learn that work ethic that'll make you work harder in the future. And this wasn't meant to be a whole motivational thing saying that we're better than anybody. We have nothing. We are humble as hell. If you want to check us for saying that we're we're too cocky about this, fine. But... I feel like we're spreading a positive message. I feel like if we can motivate one person, we're doing the job that we uh, that we should. But with that being said, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Whole Lot of Nothing, our fifth or fourth episode. We'll, you'll find out soon. But I know we went all over the place today with starting with six nine, starting with high energy stuff, moving more into talking about ourselves, talking about the things that we do. But thank you for everybody for tuning in. If you made it this far, thank you so much, and I will see you guys next week or tomorrow or no on Wednesday, whatever, with a new episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Keep on driving. Keep on working. Turn your nothing into something.